Value Stack podcast is now sponsored by Coinbeast.com. If you need extra one-on-one time to get your Bitcoin questions answered, book a call with a Bitcoin pro at Coinbeast Connect to get expertise you need with topics ranging from security, privacy, mining, Lightning Network, and more. It's easy to get started. Simply go to Coinbeast.com, click Connect at the top of the page, and book a call with the pro for the topic that you'd like to discuss. So uh, thank you guys at Coinbeast for sponsoring this show and um, check them out at coinbeast.com to get the Bitcoin support you need. Now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 11 of Value Stack. It's our first palindromic episode and uh, hopefully the first palindromic episode of, of many um, because 11 is the same forward is backwards. Uh, my name is Bo, also go by Shaper Funds, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host, BTC Bat. Bat, how you doing? Having a great day, man. It's it's been a is it still Monday, dude? I feel like I've lived a week's time, a, le- a week's worth of work uh, today. Um, yeah, I'm doing I good though, you, man. I hear you're an electrician these days. <laughs> yeah, you know we're doing some we're doing some mining the Bitcoin, figuring out some things. Uh, it, it's amazing, like how how much electrical knowledge you really need to have if you want to build out like a uh any so anything more than like you know one or two machines right like standard homes don't like don't really support the type of voltage that you need in the continuous power draw and so have just been like diving in that um just having uh an interest in it and you know i think it started with the having uh or not the having of the uh of the rate of Bitcoin's <laughs> subsidy, but the having of the hash rate rather uh, over the summer, right? Like the hash rate dropped, I think it was like 30, 40% in like a week. Uh, and I, we, we talked about that. Um, and, you know, if I could go back in time to like value stack episode three, I'd be like, buy mining machines. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, but some things have just panned out uh, personally that have, um, kind of made me look into it more. Um, so yeah, I learned all about, all about that stuff. Exciting. Exciting. What's, well, are you, let's, you're in a different spot today, huh? Yes. I'm, um, I'm testifying in front of Congress and, um, with Holmes. With Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If, uh, for those of you just listening to the podcast, I'm, uh, I, I've got the Janet Yellen buy Bitcoin thing going on behind me. Um, but no, I'm in California seeing family, been on a, a three-week road trip now, seeing friends mm-hmm. and family all across California. So uh, it's been a great time. And that's part of the reason for the delay uh, in, in recording this. So um, happy, happy we're able to make it work and super excited to be well into the double digits. Yeah, man. Many- I. I'm glad that we're we're gonna have to get another episode in like a week to hit our two two per month uh, goal. Um, but there's been so much going on, like both in you know you've been traveling and I've been sort of kind of like figuring out like 
how electrons work uh, from the ground <laughs> up. So, uh, you know, this thing, personal life's taken over, but, uh, you know, we don't forget about you guys. And uh, we're here twice a month to bring you uh, the latest in value investing in Bitcoin. And, you know, we, we, I've thought about like, maybe like we change the tagline, like, we, we should, you know, as we, as it's like, as we evolve, like we should, we should consider like what, you know, what unique angles um, we really want our listeners to, to be exposed to. I think we've done a good job of like separating, like we really talk about more of like from the, you know, f- traditional financial perspective, when we talk about discount rates and inflation rates and what does it mean like in the context of portfolio management and behavioral investing and, you know, where does it like... Uh, but but I I, I want to continue to refine uh, our, uh, our our goal. So if you're if you're an active listener to our show, please reach out to us. Let us know like what what parts of the show do you like? You know what parts are um, sort of you know do you skip over? Um, we don't we don't we don't blame you if they're you know we're still building this thing as as we're building this whole Bitcoin freaking economy. Uh, we'll talk about Bitcoin City uh, later on in the show. Uh, but you want to get us to our, uh, our our current events, Bo? Yeah, yeah. So um, first on the current events is, and I'm realizing now every week something involves Jack Dorsey, but Jack His Dorsey boss. and Jack Dorsey and Square's decentralized uh, exchange, which the TB Dex, TB Dex. So uh, pretty interesting. Um, I read the white paper today, actually, and I, I didn't see anything in there that tells me it's Bitcoin only necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, so what's uh, what's that about? So I don't think it's necessarily I think like it's from I mean, I read the white paper, too. And to be honest, I got to read it again. <laughs> Maybe a it's few more technical. times. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty technical. Um, <laughs> I probably met a few of the guys who were working on that uh, when I was in Atlanta a few weeks ago. Uh, I met a few of the guys at Square, um, but the yeah, the it, it, like essentially it's a it's to to me I got an understanding of is like how do we get this like KYC trust to the crypto world without actually having to provide that KYC, like the and KYC know your customer rule. Um, basically identity verification. So they sort of like have gate points. Um, I think they're called PFIs, participating financial institutions. And these are like the kind of the gatekeepers that deal with exchange between stable coin and other crypto assets or US fiat or any fiat and other crypto assets. And they have issue these things called verified credentials which then are sort of like, that's like your I- decentralized identity and other people can decide whether they want to trust that issuer uh, if they respect those credentials or not. So there's a world where maybe like, you know, you have some sketchy ass platform that's like issuing verified credentials that are really sort of like, uh, I don't know if I want to believe that, uh, but maybe there's others that require rigorous KYC and background checks and maybe that's those have more weight and the, the protocol is supposed to be kind of trust neutral to what I understand. Like there's no predefined requirement of trust. It simply identifies kind of what level of trust is present and you 
leave it to the free market to decide whether you want to accept those conditions or not. So, for example, um, you know, highly trusted transactions may have more requirements and therefore the fees may be higher, um, but you have a higher degree of trust, whereas trust, you know, basically like you could have very low degree of trust or confidence, but if the fees might be lower. I, again, I don't, I don't really quite understand it all yet. I, I mean, I read the white paper once and it was dense and it was late at night after I worked all day. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can only intake so much, but uh, it, it it's cool, man. I, I love Square is just firing on every single cylinder. Their stock price is going crashing. I don't know why I own the shit, but um, at the end of the day, like I am just so thoroughly impressed with Jack Dorsey and what they're doing um on that at that company that i just i'm just blown away man like the my the at-home mining they're trying to bring to people the did you see they launched uh cash app launched tax today yep. cash app tax yep yeah it's like credit karma turbo tax it's all built into cash app it's got the cash app user experience which means it's super super simple you've got rap artists and athletes endorsing Bitcoin and cash out, like their whole thing is like, it's approachable for the everyday person, right? And if they can make tax and Bitcoin and equity investing, all these things approachable for the everyday person and all in the same area as their bank account, right? Because cash apps also their bank. They have a routing yeah. number, they get paid two days early. But on top of that too, they can also send money to friends, right? Cash app. Like, I'm just, yeah, Square is crushing it. I think there's so many years, like they're thinking so far ahead and like, how do we build an ecosystem that has the biggest walled garden you've ever seen? Because the switching costs would be astronomical. And that's the exact same strategy Apple's done with their ecosystem. It's so hard to like not be an Apple user if you have been for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got me on to, you got me on the cash app and they do something. I think it's like once a week, you can, you can have 10% back on eating out and you can have that 10% back directly into Bitcoin up to $75 or seven, seven dollars and 50 cents. Is this trading for you? It's only five for me, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, because I, I, I use it all the time. They're like, he's going to use it at five. So dude, that's so smart. I know. I, as you guys know, I'm on a road trip across California, eating out a lot and paying for the bill and then getting Venmoed back for my friends and Jeez. getting seven dollars and seven dollars and 50 cents per uh, eating out. They are jipping me. <laughs> They're jipping me, bro. You, you really do get 10 percent. Yeah, I really do. Dude, look. Uh, uh, you can't really see it. Uh, it's the background. It says earn 5%. Okay. Mine says earn 5% at any one restaurant. Max purchase. Um, max purchase of $5 in Bitcoin back. So they've got this like, this is how crazy squares. They're giving different. They're giving variable. Uh, I can't see it. Oh, yours is purple. Oh, 10% on any grocery store. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Whoa, you got a grocery store one? I don't have a yeah, grocery. Dude, what? All right, this is kind of wild. You're blowing my mind here. I didn't know about the grocery store one because that's crazy. dude. I, mine don't ever really change like that. So I have like a, a, do a dozen options. 
Yeah, I do too. It's like Twitch and all these other things that I don't use. Um, that's amazing. So like Square is like really like using AI of some sort to predict which which deals they should offer you, but not only which deals like from a merchant, because I don't have anything for grocery store, but like to how what degree? Like I get five percent back at a restaurant, you get ten. I, you know, I, 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 I think I think it's customer acquisition really is what they're focused on right now. Like they clearly don't make that money back necessarily in most mm-hmm. categories. Now, like uh, Xbox and Twitch and like certain merchants probably give them a deal. But when it's just like any coffee shop, any grocery store, mm-hmm. any eating out, um, it's it, it's it's probably them meaning to lose money to let you know that they're a hell of a lot better than using credit cards, using Venmo, using, you know, any, mm-hmm. any of their competitors. Um, now, actually, this is not financial advice. And uh, since this is a, a podcast that kind of focuses on stocks too, the company that makes what they're doing is possible. What, what makes the boost feature, which we're talking about possible is a company called Marketa, ticker symbol MQ. And I, I've been doing some work on that stock recently. It looks uh, looks really interesting. It's a recent IPO. I think it's trading lower around its IPO price currently. Marketo? Mar- Marketa. Yeah, MQ. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're facilitating this like debit card or credit card cash back and different types of digital assets. Um, and they're doing it for PayPal, for Square. Um, so yeah interesting interesting business i don't own any shares but i might in the future so not marquito but marquetta yeah ticker symbol yeah marquetta okay i haven't heard of that one i knew marquetto like m-a-r-k-e-t-o uh but never heard of marquetta which is m-a-r-q-e-t-a okay ticker mq interesting y'all have to look in i've no i'm just finding this stuff out at the same time you guys are so yeah (laughs) Um, cool. So yeah, everything Jack Dorsey is doing over at Square, it's exciting. Um, yeah, man, the, the Dex project is, is, uh, I'm at, you know, I think they're going to probably come up with the name of it, name of it at some point, but, uh, it's really exciting to see, man. They're constantly doing things to help bring financial services to the masses and I'm all behind that hundred percent. Uh, the SEC sucks. They will not approve a Bitcoin spot ETF. So VanX appro- uh, application to have a Bitcoin spot ETF was denied this last week, which makes absolutely zero sense. If you look at all the shit products that trade out in the market, all the, the triple leverage. something like that. I remember you were like, wait, this is a product? Or was that, that was you, right? I think so. Yeah. Or you retweeted it. I, I, something, something like it was like some like fake leverage momentum. I don't know. You tell me. It's like some BS garbage ETF. And you, you talked about that. How like the quality, like you approved this, but not a spot ETF of Bitcoin. I, I think you can go out and buy like a triple leverage software as a service SaaS. ETF. So you can get like triple, triple exposure, triple leverage to uh, an ETF that is exposed to only these super high growth businesses that can get whacked 10% on the day. You can lose 
30% on a day in some of these things. And yet there's no Bitcoin spot ETF as right. Bitcoin becomes adopted globally, institutionally. It's insane. Do you, do you think that, do you think that there is, so with Hillary Clinton mentioning kind of Bitcoin as a risk, a threat, <laughs> dude, she, my, like many people say like, they don't know, people in politics don't know what's going on. They're ignorant of Bitcoin. I will tell you when I listened to the words and saw the facial expressions that Hillary Clinton, she gets it. She gets someone, it and she views it as a threat. Yeah. And do you think so? Like given that context, like, um, do you think that maybe there is this, like this regulatory environment that's happening because they're starting to wake up and view Bitcoin as a threat, exogenous threat to the system. So they're like, well, let's not embrace it because it will lead to our demise and our, and, and will limit our control. Do you think that that's, first of all, no, two questions. Do you think it is being done? And then second question is, can, how long can that last? And is it inevitable that they fold anyway? Great couple questions there. Um, to the first piece, yes. And I think what just popped into my mind is like, People like us, we have viewed Gary Gensler's appointment to the SEC chairman as a huge positive because he taught, I mean, he's taught on cryptocurrencies at MIT. We think, okay, this guy knows what he's doing, but you forget that he's just a pawn like anyone else. There's like mm -hmm. bigger powers at play. And Gary, so if that's you're a listener, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I mean, you can do what you think is right, but you can't really actually. So um yeah to answer that question yes i think that there probably are people enough in the know that are way above gary's pay grade that that could be delaying it but to answer your second question it's absolutely inevitable i mean hmm. bitcoin's inevitable um and if the whole rest of the world has etfs you think we're going to be the last holdout. I mean, the, mm. most of the rest of the world won't do it if 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 we're not doing it. Canada right. already has. Um, it, it it's inevitable. I mean, shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I agree with that. Like, I just was. I just was curious of you know what your what your take is. I think it's the same. Like, I do think there. I I. And, you know, I don't have any info to back this up, but I just think the billionaires are holding it down. So they're friends who are like stubborn, stubborn as shit and haven't gotten in yet. It's like, dude, get in. Don't you see BlackRock's getting in? Don't you see the, you know, all these other people like, you know, Odell Beckham's getting paid, you know, but I also think that like everybody expected Bitcoin to be 100K by now. Right? Like, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most, you know, bullish bull there is out there. You know, but I think we were all overconfident and that's why we haven't performed the way we have. Uh, but also people are getting despondent now because they're like, wait, stock to flow is broken. It's pretty yeah. broken at this point, unless we get, yeah. you know, uh, 10,000, 20,000. But I think he said that those like Arnie, that's a different, he's, you know, plan B is going to figure out a way to like say that 
it still is valid. And I don't even care about, honestly, like I hope the difficulty crashes along with the price. Um, I don't want it to go up too much yet. So I, yeah. but I would like the hash rate, the dollar per terahash per USD to go, or dollar per terahash per day to go down so that you, the machines that I bought are cheaper. <laughs> I, I, I think plan B will concede that the stock to flow is invalidated, but maybe that'll come after a couple of months of being lost at sea. Like also, yeah, like it could, Bitcoin could chill at 50K and then everybody's super despondent and then like, oh, 200K, what do you know? Yeah. Um, I, I still think we're, there's like, nothing's changed for me. The price on chain metrics don't look great, but you know, the, the, the news is as, as bullish as ever, right? Like this is a movement and we're still so, so early to this movement. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Every day I hear news that I would think there's no way this is just a trillion dollar asset. Like this is a whole entirely new system. Amazon's worth two trillion. Yeah. Right. Like Bitcoin is so much bigger than Amazon. This is what our whole world will be built on our whole financial infrastructure. The death star is right here. You know, like the fiat currency cannot persist in perpetuity. Now, I am very suspicious of central banks doing some sort of re-denomination of their fiat currency and backing it with Bitcoin. This whole Bitcoin bonds thing in El Salvador has me a little concerned, not for that, but for the precedent that I'm, I'm like, I'm very worried about governments saying like, hey, how can we leverage Bitcoin to keep people using fiat currency? And, you know, I would say like maybe a U.S. denominated like, OK, let's say the do- let's say the dollar was backed by Bitcoin, right? Like, would that be better than today's world? Sure. But the reason that the dollar was backed by gold was because you couldn't send gold across the world instantly. You couldn't fractionalize gold without destroying some of its value. So to like, it scares me that these nation states are like adopting like El Salvador, really just El Salvador, but like it sets a precedent where it's like, Hey, let's like, now they are using Bitcoin, right? They're not making an El Salvadoran dollar, but I guess what I'm just worried is like, okay, even if the United States embraces it, like what if they try to like peg the big dollar to Bitcoin? Uh, and, and like use that dollar regime now as like a continued way to control financial con- transactions. Like I'm not in this to get rich. I'm in this to get free. Our fiat mm-hmm. currency system and now not just the fiat currency system, but the whole like surveillance state that we live in with like health requirements and like vaccine mandates and like the digital verification of those, like technology is allowing governments to surveil and and put their hands in a lot of different baskets that they didn't 
they just didn't have the means to be able to do before. And so while I am really excited about like all these adoption of government, like governments embracing it, senators embracing it, countries, you know, I, I, I am I am scared that they're going to use the same tactics of like complacency to lull us into giving up the most important part of Bitcoin, which is like the fact that you don't need fiat currency. Like we don't, I don't want to transact in a stable coin that's pegged to the dollar or pegged to Bitcoin rather. And like, and I'm still like, it, the taxes are still levied. And because I'm using the stable coin, it's digital. When I cross the street, they can facially recognize me. And I jay, let's say I jaywalk, right? And like, they see me on the facial recognition software. And because I have a digital wallet with the Federal Reserve, they can instantly pull that $75 fine out of my wallet permissionlessly. Like, these are the kinds of things that I'm a little concerned about. Like, and I maybe I'm, a, I don't think I'm on an island. I think there's probably some people out there like the, that, that think about this, but I just, everything is good for Bitcoin, but like, not everything is good for us as humans, right? Like right, right. Bitcoin success does not equal human prosperity in my, in my mind. Maybe, so I'm, maybe I'm, I don't, never, not everybody agrees with that. Two, two things come to mind when you say that. My, my snap response to what you just said is, I don't think that impacts Bitcoin at all. And I think we'd agree on that. Like, I don't think if any fiat currency was pegged to Bitcoin, that would really make a difference for Bitcoin. But that's not the point you're making is it doesn't make the difference for individuals who might be brainwashed into thinking right. they can only use the central bank digital currency. But then the second thought I just had was that's kind of cool. And I mean, it's, it's flawed. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago now, uh, when we talked about Miami coin, but the mayor of Miami, uh, his his issue with Bitcoin was people aren't willing to spend Bitcoin. So we're going to create a token that is pegged to Bitcoin. And I was just thinking, what if, I mean, even if uh, the U.S. central bank digital currency started off at, at a, um, you know, some say a, a five to one peg or something. And then after year five, it went to a six to one peg and then a seven to one peg and an eight to one peg every five years or something. And even if it was known beforehand that this was going to continue to inflate relative to Bitcoin. Why would anyone hold it? Why would anyone hold it is the first thing. But I guess the first, uh, yeah. Coercion. I guess just... The same reason they hold it now. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're forced yeah. to pay your taxes. First of all, taxes are theft, but you're forced to right. pay your theft in their currency. So, so you have be, to yeah, get denominated. You have to get devalued in order to yeah. pay them their bullying. Yeah. I, I That's why I'm like, I'm just like, look, at the end of the day, like I love Bitcoin, but it's not about Bitcoin. This has always been about what it means to be a human on earth. Yeah. It's about what does the prosperity of an open monetary system and censorship resistant and permissionless payments, what does that bring to what it means to be a, a human being on earth in the 21st century. It's not about like, let's get rich and fly private jets and dance on people who, and say, have fun staying poor. Like, that's not what it's about. It, 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 like, maybe it is for a few people, 
But like most people are not going to have that much Bitcoin. So they like aren't going to be able to do that. You know, like this is about being able to interact with another human being in a trustless way and know verifiably that I've never met this person, but I can do commerce with them. And the massive, it's unbelievable, the amount of efficiency that will be unlocked with that kind of monetary system. If I want to buy uh, something from someone in a, in a different part of the world, I don't have to know who they are. Think about like, we don't buy from Alibaba. Like some people do, but the ones who like, like are like, you know, um, drop shippers and like, like warehouses. But like, think about just like, if we were able to have the, the complete connection with other countries in the world on the financial markets, and we could like verify their credentials with encryption, like commerce opens up globally so much better. Oh and, and with that efficiency, prices collapse, which, inc- which like is, I mean, not great if you're like a producer selling scam and bullshit, but if you've got a real product, like it's not going to affect you because you're willing, their people's willingness to pay is going to not really drop that much. But what it's going to do yeah. is enable the average person to save. And if the average person can save, then they can plan. And when they can plan, right. there's no economic loss. And there's no right. economic malinvestment. Like if I yeah. put all this money in these investments and then they go to shit, that's economic loss. Like if I can plan reasonably, like we keep building, we keep building, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't price anything when there's distortions in the cost of money, which is the basis right. for everything is pricing related. Pricing is information. It's like, listen to anything Jeff Booth talks about. If you listen to us, listen to Jeff Booth, and he talks about that distortion in pricing and how that causes so many problems. If you Um, had perfect information, it would be very obvious whether a decision was good economics or or not in your favor. But Mm -hmm. because you don't, you always guess. You're always just like, I don't know, roll the dice. It's it's probably going to work. And you find out. And like sometimes there's economic destruction and capital inefficiencies in that. And it's not perfected by Bitcoin. But oh my goodness, is it improved upon? No, it's almost perfected. I don't see how it isn't actually. Um, and it's like pricing signals. Like globally, we have one market for pricing. And so if we have one market for pricing information is all from all market participants. Like, let's say the price of wood in the United States, like, okay, maybe it's different in China, like, and there's shipping things and all, maybe I'm going down the path I don't want to make, but like, my point is that like for a, okay, especially like an electronic good, like, okay, let's call it like Bitcoin, right? Like every participant, no matter where you are, is looking at the same market information. And so, if someone in China thinks that Bitcoin's at a huge discount and somebody in America thinks that Bitcoin's at a huge premium, those two convictions will meet each other in the marketplace and result in a fair price based okay. on all the participants. But when you have these closed economies, it's it makes Bitcoin wait one price in another country and another in one price in this one. And, and not just Bitcoin, like everything like is like that. Like, but, you know, like we need yeah. one, one global economy for a globalized 
We need one currency for a global world, for a globalized economy. Yeah. yeah. This is a perfect segue into inflation because part of these pricing distortions means that virtually 100% of the world's bonds have a negative real yield. We talked mm -hmm. about this again a couple months ago where we, I think at that point it was 85% of the world's bonds when inflation was like nearing 5% in the US. But now that inflation is 6.2% in the US and then I mean, go down to Venezuela and Argentina, right. their bonds don't even get close to their inflation rate. Um, and everything in between us and Venezuela, Argentina, uh, have that same issue where rates are a hell of a lot lower than inflation currently. So you can't hardly get yield on any bonds in any part of the world, no matter how junky, no matter how much default risk you're, you're willing to take with fixed income. And remember that most of the sovereign wealth funds, all bond funds, pension funds, are all mostly exposed to fixed income with a guaranteed loss of purchasing power. So mm -hmm. this is like the end game. This is like Ray Dalio talks about the, the end of the long-term debt cycle where That's you're it. pushing on a string because you, rates can't go any lower. And the only way to stimulate the economy is by printing more money. And we are literally watching it in real time. So this is where we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Inflation is reported inflation, right? Like we've been talking about inflation for a long time. Uh, but reported inflation is finally rearing its head. 6% highest in decades. Shocker. Shocker. Shocking. Like when you create a third of the money supply in a few months and you let it trickle down, via cheap loans got to result in price inflation. Yep. You know, like, I don't understand really though, like the CPI, I mean, I understand how it's calculated like CPI, PCE, but what I don't understand is why people pay so much, put so much credence on like so much weight on the CPI, like price inflation is not what I'm looking at because all, all investment as all assets have been, that basically assumed some level of monetary premium. And most people don't like, I imagine you understand what I'm saying. Like, but like, most people don't, I don't even think understand what that means. Like yeah. used cars have a monetary premium. That's why they went up in value. They didn't go up because used cars are more valuable. They went up because the dollar went down and they preserve at a 30% monetary inflation rate new supply divided by total supply at a 30% monetary inflation rate, used cars depreciate less than the currency. So there's a monetary <laughs> premium. It's like a bond. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so like if an asset goes up in value, like an equity, which like compounds profits has tax deductions or Bitcoin, right? Like these things have crazy premiums on them. That's why you've seen the equity markets price to earnings at the highest it's ever been. Uh, and it makes sense. Because it is it has a monetary premium now. It's not just about the business. Yeah. It's yeah. assuming it's assuming like a savings quality to it. Yeah. And there's a yeah. uptick in in value of that because it's a savings tool. Yeah. 
same reason why people go buy a bunch of land or go buy multifamily housing complexes. Those are even more interesting because with that, you can generate cash flow in addition to wealth preservation and use leverage. Yep. Um, but yeah, man, inflation's getting rough, dude. My grocery bill is never under a hundred bucks anymore. Literally never. My roommate and I, Alex, we went and we went and went to the grocery store. We got like seven things and it was like almost a hundred bucks. Like granted, like most of it was meat, like meat's expensive. It always has been expensive relative to like vegetables, but way more caloric dense. So like we, I, like every run is a hundred bucks, dude. Like we went yesterday and we got like a 12 pack of beer and a couple other things. And it was like almost 200. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I talk to the, I make sure to talk to the grocery store clerks too. I'm like, the lady said, Oh, you got a, the, the, the cashier. She says, Oh, you got a really good, you got a lot for that. And I said, yep. Inflation is a bitch. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about our boating accident of the week all right it's time for the boating accident of the week and i'm already this one hits close to home because um i had and if IRS is listening, it's true. I had about $5.60 at Robinhood invested in Bitcoin and it's it. all gone. Oh, it's gone? <laughs> it's gone. Even oh. though you can't transfer. Boating accident. <laughs> Dude, you lost it? <gasps> you better Dude, that. it's gone. I don't know how it went loss. to wallet address, even though Robinhood doesn't even do that. Um, yeah, it, it was all lost, dude. Yeah, what? So, like, a bunch, like, millions of. I have Robin Hood, I'm sure my sh I didn't look because I didn't want to know, but I'm sure my shit got leaked. My name, my home address. They it's funny, they've been emailing me to update my, my credit info, like, my so for like months. I don't have any money at Robin Hood at all, I just use it to like check the real time price of stocks because I have an account. Um, yeah. but I, they have been emailing me to update my income information and like confirm all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, I don't need, and then they get hacked. I'm like, that's fine. But like, they had my social, I don't know if my social got compromised. Like, dude, I'm pretty sure my social got compromised by like some like T-Mobile hack, which is crazy. Cause I've literally never been a T-Mobile customer in my life. So I don't know how T-Mobile got my social security number. Um, but yeah, dude, like the, the next like pandemic is the cyber pandemic. It's already unfolding. The narrative is here. Da Davos has probably already done a, a, a preparation meeting about it. Like, dude, it's here, man. Like nothing is safe online and it's all so fitting that they're going to be like, you need the central bank digital currency so that we can protect you because Bitcoin, they can get hacked. And if they get hacked and you lose it. We can't help you. So here, come into our bailout-based currency system where we'll take care of you and we'll undo any bad guys. And we'll 
make sure that it's surveilled and perfect and safe. Dude, ugh. Ugh. Ugh, Robin Hood. Dude, the, yeah. I mean, like, they already had the Citadel stuff. Actually, I want to add one thing. You saw the Constitution Dow. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the, we didn't put this. The <laughs> best. The best. All right, so... Ken Robin Hood. Robin Hood. <laughs> Robin Hood was uh, the whole platform that everybody was like: GameStop, AMC. Let's stick it to the you know the rich guys. And basically, Citadel Citadel is like a huge market maker, one of the largest in the equity markets, and gets like all their order flow through Robin Hood, and they get like a little you know tenth of a millisecond advantage or whatever, right? Like, and so. The whole thing was like they Robinhood paused trading for these stocks that were short, naked short by I imagine Citadel. I don't know, like I don't know the full story, but I know that Citadel was involved. There were lawsuits against Citadel for shutting down trading. They probably were CYA, you know. Uh, and so Ken Griffin, like I think he's the CEO of Citadel or the general partner or whatever. Uh, founder, yeah. Founder, yeah. He not only did he. The same the same day gets out the Robin Hood lawsuit scot free, right? And then from the fine, I guess like the fines he was expecting to pay, <laughs> takes the same people. There was a decentralized autonomous organization that took forty million dollars in donations in Ethereum, which cost probably a million dollars in gas fees to do so. Uh it's like twenty bucks Maybe to more. donate. It was like yeah. twenty bucks to donate. So like you do yeah. the math. I don't know how it, yeah. how many individual donations times twenty bucks. Yeah. Not only so they raised it and then Ken Griffin silently outbid them on the buying the Constitution at the very last minute. <laughs> when there's there's probably so much crossover of like the same people that were in GameStop were like also in the Constitution Dow movement and like he just he just stuck it to him twice. In 24 hours, dude. He's like, you uh, cannot, you cannot win against these people. They make the rules. You, yep. like, stop playing. And like yep. now, the irony is like everybody. They're like, oh, you're gonna all get your money back, <laughs> minus gas fees, gas fees. Which like, if you donated two hundred dollars, you lost like 30, 20, 30 percent of your donation. <laughs> dude, that was amazing. Stop, and also, stop con- fighting the billionaires. Constitution Dow, don't, don't project what your high bid is going to be. You're never going to win an auction. It, that's like something we would have never foreseen unless it actually occurred, or I guess some people could have. That that's like the unfortunate part of a Dow, and having that like public distributed formation is you don't have that same like private information that a leader would take into an auction um everyone had to know everyone had to know what they knew how much they had right he's just like i'm just gonna outbid him (laughs) like dollars above what they could do and part of it so constitution uh constitution dow put out a thing saying not only was it the price of the constitution but it was like upkeep uh, of the the document would have been so much per year. This is exactly how much we're willing to bid. And Ken Griffin knew that amount and bid like a dollar higher. 
<laughs> and then it's also it's like it's not dynamic how they make decisions it's like requires all this voting and stuff right so and they can't not, make things on the fly time. yeah oh my gosh that's just so fascinating <laughs> i mean it was kind of cool that they raised all that money but like also a lot of that was probably illegally earned yeah i'm yeah. sure there's a lot of black market money in that constitution dow and then they'd have been like oh i'm gonna you know this is a donation to charity or something i don't know maybe it maybe it wasn't but uh anyway well, the- robin hood robin hood ken griffin the whole Ooh. thing dude opt out <laughs> <laughs> okay well this is a, a decent segue into uh, th- there's two other topics that we want to discuss at a little bit more length, even though everything we've discussed is at length. Uh, the first is the uh, millennials. So, so millennials do not want fancy financial advice. And so I think it was the Wall Street Journal just had a story about this, how millennials aren't working with financial advisors, mostly because they're right. buying crypto. I mean, like the TLDR is Millennials buy crypto and don't think they need a financial advisor. Crazy. In a couple of years ago, <laughs> we are millennials. We're millennials. We're also uh, either are or were financial advisors. So. I know. And I that's why I can't do it anymore. Because I, I get it. I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm not going to pay a financial advisor. So I have mixed thoughts on this. Not because I'm conflicted because I'm a financial advisor, but because I still think uh, the vast majority of people are, well, everyone is is victim to human nature. Like we, part yeah, of what we talk about coaching, on the podcast right? is, is behavioral economics. So, I mean, we're, we're all human and prone to making human decisions. I think the difference between someone who's financially savvy or an advisor and someone who's not isn't that they aren't prone to make those decisions it's that they're at least aware of those you know they're they're prone to make those decisions and so i like part of me is screaming out like you people are idiots but the other part of me is like well if people would understand what bitcoin is at its core then you definitely don't need to hire someone like me you absolutely should not hire someone like me um and if you're disciplined just in general and you know i mean I, I would say if someone was 30 years old 25 years old and they decided to put a third of their net worth into the s p 500 you know index the vanguard low cost etf 30 percent of their net worth into bitcoin and like 30 percent of their net worth into you know, the real estate investment trust, IAU, the gold ETF or whatever, just like real assets. Uh, and then the rest cash emergency fund, I would say that person absolutely should not hire someone like me. Like that is a perfectly good allocation. Problem is no one does that. Right. Very few people are all in on Bitcoin, the real pristine digital asset. So that that's the part of me that's screaming out, like, what are these people up to? And you know, where financial advisors, in addition to the behavioral coaching, uh, tax strategy, but that's the thing you can't give tax advice, right? Like to me, like the most valuable advice I get is like navigating tax strategy, retirement withdrawal strategy, you know, like these things are like cash flow strategy, 
debt to equity, debt to income ratio strategy, credit management, like the things that we were talking about before we started recording, right? Like, all right, I have this asset. How do I leverage it to get this cash flow, to get this tax deduction, to get this business write off, expecting this discount rate with this expected appreciation rate, with this increasing difficulty rate? Like, there's a need for that because I need that. And I'm, I'm a, I've been a financial advisor for many years. And I'm also a Bitcoiner and apparently an amateur electrician. And I cannot answer these questions. So like I am, I'm consulting with mining experts, tax experts, financial advisors, people who are, are like helping like financial analysts who like run ca- like, uh, you know, like discount cash flow models, like, like people who like, there's just, it's a, it's really like a multi, multidisciplinary, like, stra- like budgeting, budgeting is like a skill. Like the, 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 the need is not building a 80, 20 portfolio. That's not where the financial advisor adds value. That's done with easily with software. Like where it adds value is like looking and in, diving into that individual person's strategy and building a customized plan that works for them that just computer models just aren't really like able to take into account yet. Yeah. 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 Then there's too many variables, right? right. A ton of value that could be added there. Um, I mean, I also know that like a lot of people our age are like, well, why don't I put all my money into the trade desk? or ticker simple TTD, or why don't I put all my money into, you know, this or that. And I think some people just need to be talked off the ledge. They may kind of know it's a bad decision, but yeah, yeah whatever. There's... I've thought about the all in on Bitcoin thing. I don't know. I'm there. I, what do you I'm think? Not. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not 100%. Not. I'm, I'm virtually got, 100%. I've got plenty of equities i don't even know what i'm invested in anymore i don't give a shit at this point it's all zero it's all worthless if it's not bitcoin <laughs> right. yeah i think this guy's equities are bitcoin mining companies <laughs> dude i literally bought all those mining stocks at the absolute worst time like 66k let's empty everything and put it into riot marathon bit farms hive all of them they're all down like 20 30 percent i bought them like a week ago I'm down 20, 30%. Like, I don't give investment advice anymore for good reason, dude. I'm a horrible trader. Like, long term, don't worry. You're, We're going to be all you're, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, timing, dude. I get, I'm a, I get caught. Like, that's why we talk, teach people about behavioral investing. Like, I like I get caught up in emotional swings. Like, when Bitcoin's pumping, I'm like, shit, I don't have enough. When Bitcoin's dropping, I'm like, oh, man, maybe I got a little overenthusiastic. And it happens. It happens to everyone. And, and that's yeah. like, you have to know where you're at. It takes like self-reflection to, to, you know, to know, like, am I getting carried away or not? Yep. Yep. So to, to, to wrap up today's show, I want to talk a little bit more about El Salvador's Bitcoin city. So President Bukele just announced a few days ago that they're building a Bitcoin city. It's going to be 
pretty much on the opposite side of the country from the capital, San Salvador mm -hmm. and El Salvador on the coast, which isn't too far from um, San Salvador. And it's going to be built next to a volcano uh, where Bitcoin mining is taking place. They're going to have no taxes whatsoever. So anyone can move there, not pay any income taxes, not pay any capital gains taxes. It's going to be free of taxes except for sales tax. They, President Bukele thinks the public infrastructure Which is going to require. discourages you from spending money and encourages you to continue to save in Bitcoin. <laughs> All right, keep going. It might be a very wealthy place sometime in the future. Um, public infrastructure is supposed to require 300,000 Bitcoins. They're going to issue bonds here in early 2022. The, they're hoping to raise about a billion dollars. Um, and then uh, it's going to be a 10-year issue at 6.5%. So going back to what we were talking about before. Not with the traditional, What'd you say? Yeah, not, not 6.15%. Oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So exactly what we're yeah. talking about before. So leveraging the, traditional the bonds, yeah. The traditional finance world is fucked because you can't get a yield greater than inflation. Where here, here's a way that even in terms of the best currency, the best currency on earth, I'm, I'm saying that air quotes, the US dollar, fiat currency, um, it's, it's greater than... 6.2 percent it's 6.5 percent they're issuing federal bonds at like national bonds at six and a half percent what's like a high yield uh sovereign bond emerging markets are like five something right now okay so it's in line with emerging market bonds okay yep yep All right. they're going to be issued via liquid which is a, a side chain of bitcoin um and I thought Bukele made an interesting point when he said, we're, we're going to try to issue 10 bonds that will be valued around $5 billion. And he said, if 10 other countries decide to do this, we're at half of Bitcoin's market cap, about $500 billion. Hmm. No, that's not correct. Um, I got this from a Reuters article, but now I'm realizing it would be $50 billion in Bitcoin. Right, that'd be one to have ten. Okay, so if a hundred countries do this, yeah, then that's half a bit. If a hundred countries do this, that's half a Bitcoin's but market cap. That would make the market cap of Bitcoin go up each time that they do that. So the dollar denominated, you know, the dollar denominated amount would be less. So like, it sounds good. And this is again like why I don't love governments commandeering Bitcoin. Like, yep, we don't like. You just got to be careful, like. This is all so great. I'm excited. We got to go down to El Salvador. Oh, yeah. We have to. You and I, we got to go down. Yeah, we have to do an episode in El Salvador. Um, I have to say it like that every time. It's important. <laughs> but like the, like we have to go there. But I, yeah, dude, it's exciting. It's all, it's all awesome. Um, Casa, as you know, like our names in Spanish, like, we need to go expand to El Salvador. Um, I think like there's a huge educational opportunity there uh, and teaching people the right way from the onset is so, so, so important. You want to build good habits at the foundation. Um, love to see that uh, document, the, 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 uh, 
event that they hosted this week, last week. Jameson, our CTO, Jameson Lott, he was there. Um, and uh, cool to see that uh, President Bukele is going to be a speaker at the uh, Bitcoin 22 conference. Very cool. Hope you're coming. Um, I'll be there. Get your ticket. They're going up. Some interesting stuff. It's a lot to digest. Um, and yeah, as you said, I hate the idea of governments commandeering Bitcoin. Um, I'm encouraged by the fact that I don't think they really can. Um, but it also can, it, it can impact the narrative. Um, if there's, if Bukele steps out of line and that, that, that can be worrisome. I still stand behind. I think if I ever get a tattoo, It'll be on my arm and it'll say, maybe it, maybe it's, I don't know which way it goes, but it'll be like rules, not rulers. It's like, so maybe I won't, cause that seems like a really tacky tattoo, but like <laughs> that, 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 um, that, that foundational, that's like a foundational uh, belief, like yeah. cord, cord my being is like, and before I was ever in Bitcoin, like, I'm like, look, it makes sense that we have rules, but who the hell are you trying to tell me what to do? Yeah. You can ask sure. my parents since I was like five years old. I've been that way. So that's I'm why sure we're friends. Brought, I'm sure you were saying. I'm sure you were saying. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, should we? Uh, we're almost at an hour, a little longer episode today. Uh, you know, hell yeah. A couple, we, we had a little uh, delay in the getting it out. So I think. Uh, well-deserved. Um, we have one topic that we wanted to get into, so we'll maybe hit that next episode. Um, if we don't, it wasn't that important anyway, but uh, we are planning to have some guest speakers on the next couple episodes. So stay tuned for that new format. We're still kind of working out like how we're going to actually structure and format that because it's going to be like another guest and we're going to have to do more editing and like another screen and so we're just kind of making sure that we, you know, we want to do it right uh, when we do have that on. So um, stay tuned for that. But we'll be having, can we announce like, who? I don't know. Let, let's keep it. Let's keep it until we do. But uh, um, yeah, I think we already may have said it anyway. So, um, we, we have some good guests coming on. I'm super stoked. That's right. So uh, you want to send us off? You? All right. Well, all I got to say is thank you for listening. We, we really appreciate it. We're, we're having fun doing this and we want it to grow. So we appreciate all the support and um, it's Monday night and um, life's tight. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. It's episode 11, right? Stack some sats. Do yourself some Stack. good. Bye, Bitcoin. <laughs>